It's Sunday. Finally. But despite Jesus' prediction, his own disciples don't seem to expect Jesus is going to raise. Right? The last couple days would seem to confirm the fact, that, at least in their minds, that things had gone sour, their messianic expectations, their potential you know, great authority in the world was all gone. Now they're fearful. They don't seem to be expecting it. Even though Jesus had told them numerous times, even though the Bible, the Old Testament had told them. In fact, if Matthew or, or had ended at chapter 27 or Mark at chapter 15 or Luke at chapter 23 or John at chapter 19, if they'd all stopped there, right, there'd be no Christianity really as we know it. Jesus would have been just another failed messianic pretender, kind of some upstart dude that didn't really work out. However, new creation is about to break in amidst this old creation, and nothing is ever going to be the same. <laughs> now, the resurrection accounts, of course, have been highly scrutinized in all different kinds of ways, right? How many, how many women went to the tomb? How many angels were there? To whom did Jesus appear and when and all these different things? But we got to understand, right? We got four different gospel accounts and they reflect exactly what we would expect from eyewitness accounts of an unexpected and supernatural event. I remember, I remember this makes me think about this movie uh, I watched a long time ago. I think it was called Vantage Point. Dennis Quaid was in it. Like this one event and in, in the whole movie was like all these different perspectives on the same event. Like this one part of the movie, the first 20 minutes, that perspective, then it zoom out, another perspective, you know, all of them kind of give different perspectives of the same reality. That's what's going on. So the differences between the gospel accounts attest to multiple independent eyewitnesses, each of whom are communicating particular things from their individual perspectives that are wanting to emphasize different realities. In other words, it really helps the case that the re resurrection is true. But nevertheless, let's get to the events. Matthew alone seems to record the only events associated with the actual resurrection. All right, so apparently an angel, remember we got some guards there, right? Some guards are there securing the tomb. Their folks are scared that he's actually going to raise from the dead, or, or more importantly, they said they're concerned that the disciples are going to come steal the body of Christ and claim he resurrected. But nevertheless, there's the guards sitting there, and Matthew says an angel of the Lord accompanied by a great earthquake breaks in descends like lightning, rolls the stone back, and sits on it. Right? The soldiers who've been guarding the tomb are right. I mean, can you imagine being there? They're terrified. They become, the Bible says, like dead men. <laughs> Angel moves inside the tomb, and those dudes, those guards, they bolt, right? They head back into town. And the first place they go to, interestingly, they go to the chief priests, and the chief priests, remember, they do not want this resurrection to be true because that would mean Jesus is who he said he was, which means they're the hypocrites, they're lies, they're fakes, they're frauds. They lose all of their positions, so they don't want this resurrection to be true. So these guards, they go back to them and they bribe them, right? The, guard, the guards tell them what happened and the chief priests bribe them. They, they, they want them to, to kind of tell a story. If they kind of agree, if these guards will spread the lie that the disciples came and stole the body during the night while they were sleeping, <laughs> well, then it'll all kind of work out and, you know, all of these claims to resurrection, at least in their minds, won't be, won't be true. 
And the text of the Bible even says that they have, that lie has spread among the Jews even to this day. Now think about that. That's like 20, 30 years after uh, the events. People still believe in that the disciples stole the body. But just think about this for a second. If that actually happened, and it wasn't an angel of the Lord, and the earthquake didn't come, and the stones rolled away, and in fact the disciples did steal the body, you mean to tell me that these dudes stayed asleep while the disciples roll away a big old stone and carry him out, and they never woke up? And by the way, if they did it, how in the world would they have known it was disciples in the first place? Anyway, it makes no sense, but nevertheless, that's the lie. That's told. An angel has come down. We don't know, by the way, if if Christ has risen at this point when the angel comes down and opens the tomb. Perhaps he does. My guess is probably yes. But anyway, that brings us to the morning. About six, somewhere between six, six fifteen in the morning. Matthew records that Mary Magdalene and the other Mary they go to the tomb near dawn on Sunday. Which again, 6, 6, 15 a.m. They, they encounter an angel. They get there. They, Matthew says they encounter an angel who commands them not to fear and informs them that Jesus is not in the tomb. He invites them. He says, come on in. Take a look around. His body's not here. He's risen. And he commands them to go and tell his disciples that Jesus has risen from the dead and will meet them in Galilee. Okay, now, Mark, in his account, he's got the same two gals, probably Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, but he records this other, other person named Salome also go with them. But anyway, they go, according to Mark, what they're doing is they're getting some spices after the Sabbath, right, because uh, Jesus was buried hastily. They want to go and anoint the body in the way that they think it should be kind of uh, anointed with these spices and the like. And they're on their way. And this is a funny account, right? They're on their way, and these ladies are going, you know, how are we going to roll this tomb away or this stone away? But upon arriving, they see that the stone is already rolled away. They're alarmed. They go inside, right? They see this man, right, this, this angel that instructs them to not be concerned. Again, he's risen. He's not here. Go tell the disciples. And I love this. Mark alone, which we think is, which we believe is, is, is Peter's account, Jesus has risen, the angel says, and go tell the disciples, and Peter, I'll meet him in Galilee. Because remember the last time Peter had an interaction with Jesus is the last time he saw him was when he denied him. I love that. So beautiful. And don't, by the way, tell Peter to go there too, to meet with Jesus. Luke, he has these same gals and he adds in here Joanna and a couple other uh, ladies. But nevertheless, it's women that are the first to this tomb and they see that the tomb is empty. So there's a little bit of uh, trying to, in terms of the series of events of how the word gets back to the disciples. Or we're having to kind of guess which kind of how that happened, but more than likely it was probably Mary Magdalene. You'll see why in a minute. Let me tell, let me finish telling the story. All right. So eventually the disciples, they get back. Probably Mary Magdalene comes back, tells them, Jesus, the, 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 the body's not there. The tomb's rolled away. At least she thinks the body's not there at this point. You're going to see why I say that in a minute. But either way, the disciples hear this first report on Sunday morning. We can imagine them waking up. This is some of the first words they heard. Maybe they were still sleeping when Mary broke through the door. They're scared, right? What's going on? And the text says, and they went out and fled from the tomb from, for trembling and astonishment had astonished them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. That's the women, by the way. The women, they're scared. They go back. 
I tell them probably Mary's first, right? The other ladies eventually get there. They, again, that's the text that I just read. They go back, tell the disciples. They fled from the tomb. They're trembling with great astonishment. They tell them. By the way, on the way, Matthew tells us these women, before I I, kind of got to the disciples, be patient with me for a second. There's these women are on their way back to tell the disciples. And apparently Matthew says that Jesus appears to them on the way. (laughs) And these women fall at the feet of Jesus and worship him. And Jesus receives their worship, underscoring his divinity, something only God is able to do to receive worship like that. But eventually, Mary may be there first, and eventually, eventually these women, they all get there, they tell the disciples, the disciples, they eventually hear it, and they call it an idle tale. They don't believe these guys. Like, you guys be crazy. That's what they think. Even though, again, Jesus had told them numerous times. But anyway, but Peter and John, they decide they're going to go check this thing out. Now, this is a funny account. We can imagine this in our mind. Peter and John, they're booking it. They're, they're running quick. And we know this because John says that he outruns Peter to the tomb. <laughs> They're on a race. John wins. All right, Peter's there. John's there. John has gotten there first, but John doesn't go in. He doesn't go into the tomb. He's staying outside. Peter then, uh, John kind of pauses there at the opening of the tomb. Peter then, he, he, John's kind of peering, looking in. Peter then uh, walks into the tomb. And then John follows him afterwards. And there, when they get inside of the tomb, they see the presence of linen cloths that are folded up. Jesus is not there. He's resurrected. Now, this is when we get Mary Magdalene's return to the tomb. John alone, so the disciples, the the two disciples, Peter, John, they make their way back. They're astonished. They're walking back to where they were. Mary Magdalene comes back. All right. And John alone records this little interaction. She's back there at the tomb. She's looking for Jesus, the body of Jesus. And in the course, she's weeping. And in the course of her weeping, she peers into the tomb and is startled to see two angels sitting there where Jesus' body had been. The angels ask her why she's weeping. And her reply indicates, again, this is what I was talking about earlier, that she had not yet heard the other report that because she says, Mary Magdalene says, the angels ask her, why are you crying? And she says, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. She turns around, perhaps hearing maybe someone else approaching and she sees Jesus. But here's the thing. She doesn't know it's Jesus. Not yet. Jesus asks her why she's weeping, who she's looking for. And she assumes this this dude is just some gardener in the morning, there in the morning. And thinking that maybe he has removed the body, perhaps because Jesus had been buried in the tomb of a wealthy family, she asks him, where's the body been taken? And at this point, Jesus utters Mary's name. Mary. Mary. And the second she hears that, surely she's heard her Lord Jesus utter her name countless times. You can imagine maybe like a dear friend, a mother or father. You, you, you just know what it sounds like, that it's them when they say your name. And he, he, he says her name, Mary, and she immediately recognizes it. 
And he instructs her, Jesus instructs her, don't cling to him. She, she clings to him and she's, no, 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 don't cling to me, but go to the brothers, go to the, tell them again what's, what's, what's happened, that I'm about to ascend to the Father. And off she goes. Amazing set of events here on Sunday morning, but there's a few more details here that we get that particular Sunday, the first day of the week. Later in the day, Luke gives us an account of some lowercase d disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus. All right, That's a town about seven miles distant from Jerusalem. Sunday afternoon, filled with all kinds of irony and crazy stuff, fascinating things. Mary, the disciples, do not initially recognize Jesus. All this stuff is happening. But Jesus, he walks up, the resurrected Jesus walks up to this guy, Cleopas, right? And this other guy, they're walking there. And when Jesus says, what are you guys talking about? And Cleopas says, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? (laughs) And Jesus, right, really, tell me more, right? So Jesus wants to hear their perspective. Well, what things are you talking about? And they answer Jesus in two ways. First thing they say is they give a brief history of the whole situation, probably the average kind of sympathetic Jewish follower. We hoped he was going to be the one. The second thing they say is Cleopas and the other disciple recount the unusual events that had transpired that morning. They, 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 some women found that the tomb was empty. And at this point, Jesus rebukes the two disciples for their slowness to believe in the prophecies concerning the Messiah's suffering and glorification. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Can you imagine that Bible study on that road? You want to talk about discipleship? Man, do some discipleship walking somewhere on a road. Jesus just walking, doing some biblical theology, the resurrected Jesus, and they still don't know who he is. And as they approach the village, Jesus acts as if he's going to keep kind of going. And the two disciples, they urge him, you know, stay with us, stay with us. And Jesus listens, all right, fine. And so he, at supper, he takes the bread and blesses it. Again, there's something about this that was, must have been so familiar to them at this point. Because when he blesses it, at this point, maybe because they've seen or witnessed or heard him do this many times, the eyes of Cleopas and the other disciple are divinely open and they recognize Jesus and he vanishes from his sight. Maybe they'd heard Jesus pray like that and bless that meal so many times before they immediately knew, just like Mary knew when he said her name. Well, these dudes, Cleopas and this other dude, they obviously, right, they, they hightail it back to Jerusalem. They tell the disciples, and this leads us to the last event of the day. It's Sunday evening now. Sunday evening, the disciples, I mean, just think about all that has happened today. Sunday evening, the disciples gather together behind locked doors. They're, they're, fe- they're still fearing the Jews, even in light of this news of the resurrection. The, the two disciples had, had encou- that had counted Cleopas and this other dude, right? They've, they've come back. They've told them. They're discussing all this. And about this time, as they're sitting there discovering, discussing all of this, Jesus appears in the room. And thank God, the first words out of his mouth are, peace to you. And despite Jesus' words... The disciples are naturally frightened and believe Jesus to be a spirit. I mean, can you imagine sitting there and this? Yeah. So Jesus further kind of tries to soften their fears by inviting them to examine him, to touch, to take their hands and to touch him, demonstrating that the resurrected body is flesh and blood and not merely spirit, by the way. 
And he, 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 he decisively demonstrates the solid reality of the resurrection body by asking for something to eat. Guys, wait till we eat some good food with our resurrection bodies. But anyway, this is the last proof. This last proof of them touching and then him eating finally convinces he's not a spirit. He's not a ghost. This is the real thing. This is the resurrected, the bodily resurrected Jesus Christ. Uh, it is true that his sacrifice, resurrection, does not pay for sin. Resurrection proves that sin was paid for. The sin was paid. Christ has defeated sin and death. It's now clear. And once the disciples calm down enough to listen, Jesus again exhorts them to peace and he gives those great commissioning words, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. You know, it seems after the Feast of Unleavened Bread ended, the disciples eventually do make their way off to Galilee, and just like they were instructed, and eventually make their way back to Jerusalem just in time for the ascension some 40 days later, or a little less than 40 days later. So this doesn't even get into all those, again, those 40 days before Jesus ascends. But while our podcast ends here, the story of the gospel doesn't. Beloved, just as Jesus commissioned his disciples to be those that are sent out, and that's exactly what they did, right? Right? Jesus ascends into heaven. He sends the Spirit. Now he pleads the merits of his blood in heaven. The the Father then sends the Spirit. The Spirit takes up residence in the disciples. They preach the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And here we are in the ends of the earth. And now here we are this morning, Sunday morning. We will declare the reality of the resurrection because we're doing the very same thing that Jesus wanted those disciples to do. Go declare. Be my witnesses. And so is the calling upon you, beloved. Revel in the wonder, the mystery, the profundity of the resurrection. All that Jesus accomplished, overcoming our sin and death, reconciling us to the Father, and giving us a first fruits of our own resurrection. But until he returns, beloved, may he find us in the fields doing just as he commanded those disciples being sent out, making disciples who make disciples that delight in the supremacy of Christ until he returns. Hallelujah, it's Sunday. But beloved, no, a greater day is on its way. May he find us in the fields. He is risen. He is risen indeed.